Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FMLFPL. Okay, welcome to the first Fireside Chat of the season. This is Alon. Today, I'm joined by Anthony DeBundo from the Action Network. Anthony, what's happening? Enjoying the offseason. It's way too short to begin with. And this year with the Women's World Cup, you know, we've been busy with that. So a little bit, you know, later than usual start for me on on Premier League prep, but always keeping up with the transfer news and, and generally have a good idea, probably by the end of the last season, who I might be lower or higher on. Yeah going into the next one. Uh, and, and there's already a couple teams where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really buying the hype. So, so, so when is wonder goal back? When, when is the action networks, you know, soccer podcast back in action? So we haven't done any official dates yet. Uh, on like when we're going to record, but the season starts what August 11th. Yeah. So we will be back probably the first week of August, like okay. August, 31st, August 1st, 2nd, 3rd, kind of that week. Uh, with our you know big preview, and then we'll probably have you back on for our little point total draft. I'm in. I'm in. We we finished an even ten and ten last year as a group. So yeah. we drafted all twenty teams, and it was fun. And a lot of them, like three or four, came down to the last day. So it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll do that again. And you know, I think a lot of today is just going to be preliminary. There's so much that can change. There's still so much transfer window left. So we'll see what happens. But um, let's just start with the title. I mean, I think it's the 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 logical place to start. City are favored as always. Um, any outsiders that you like this year? I mean, last year it was City favorites, Liverpool, the only relevant like close team to being you know second favorite. I think they were plus two fifty last year. Now no team is is near that. Arsenal's plus five hundred. Liverpool plus 750, United plus 900, and then, you know, long shots after that. Anyone you like? You know, I often don't bet the Premier League title race 
preseason yeah. just because I think it can change so much. Uh, and it's such a long year. Uh, I thank Arsenal for taking that huge lead built on a lot of <laughs> flimsy late goals. Uh, because it enabled me to bet City repeatedly throughout the month of March. You uh, were hammering City on the podcast. On our show, it was like, all right, well, it's a good week to add more money on City. It was just like Arsenal is probably not going to hold this. They don't have the depth, and, and it did catch up with them. And now I think like Arsenal, if they had been priced at like eight, nine, ten to one, I, I would have been interested in them. But at five to one, like there's just not a ton of value in that, uh, given how much of a leap this team already took. Yeah, uh, I just don't know if they get enough out of out of Jesus Havertz to really keep up at the top and if the defense is going to you know be more like the first half of the season when they were elite but it was kind of like they can't really keep up this level of production or if it's going to be more like the second half where they were leaking goals left and right against you know superior competition like I just can't get that Liverpool game out of my head where Arsenal were completely played off the park And, and that game plus the City game like it feels like if you buy Arsenal at five to one to win the league, you're almost buying them at like the peak of their value. They're never yeah. going to be lower than that in the era of City, you know, dominance. But then there's also City. Like there has to be some natural regression, natural kind of like fatigue from what happened at the end of last season. And we talked about this on our show. Like City was not the same team that final month, and they really fell yeah. off. I didn't think they looked good against United. I didn't think they played well at all against Inter in the final. De Bruyne gets hurt, so he's going to miss the start of the season. Gundogan leaves, uh, and we haven't really heard much in terms of like transfer business on them replenishing the talent. Like A lot of the last year was kind of consolidating their best team and going away from the top guys. Now it's like, well, who are the top guys behind Grealish? <laughs> And and Holland right now, and yeah. so I'm a little bit questioning of them. Yeah, Guardiola, I guess, is the is the big rumor, and that's probably going to be you know their like huge hundred million pound guy. But yeah, it's a different team. I agree with you that they didn't they didn't look the sharpest along the you know down the stretch. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you on Arsenal. I feel like I'm going to be an Arsenal downer this whole episode, and I'm going to get a lot of a lot of hate for it. But like that's just I don't know where I'm at. But um. Yeah, I mean, uh, the big outside of team, like never you the big trendy team that had the great upstart season exactly. before just gets to the top of their market and then it's like regression hits and we saw this exactly. with Chelsea. Remember when Chelsea won the Champions League and everybody was yeah. like, "Well, you know, you can get Chelsea twenty to one, sixteen to one." Now they're down to eight to one to win the league. It's like, well, yeah, they had a great four month run under Tuchel. They won a knockout tournament, but they don't have any goals. They're not going to score enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they were ended up, you know, would they finish fourth? Yeah, if, you're, um, if you take Arsenal plus 500 now, I mean, you're basically betting that City are going to start really slow and Arsenal are going to start really hot and that number is going to go the other way. Whereas you can probably get Arsenal plus a thousand or more, you know, later in the season, halfway through the season, something like that. I'll be honest. I don't have them as the second best team in the league. So who do you have? Your boys. Hey, let's go. (laughs) I just think that like, yeah, they had like a down year. There was a lot of like Murphy's law shit that went wrong with Liverpool last year. You you lived through it. Like every set piece going in against them, they couldn't defend set pieces. Like, yes, Van Dyke gets a year older, but I think it was just kind of like an in-between moment. We forget how much Liverpool went all in that season before, and there was always going to be a natural letdown from chasing the quadruple, from having everybody go to the max as much as they did. Uh, And you saw kind of the natural regression of that in the first half of the season. But once they made that little tactical tweak 
uh, to put you know Trent in the midfield. I thought they improved defensively, and all of their numbers took a real step forward defensively. Whether it was you know ball winning uh, and uh, yeah. ball retention and kind of pressing success, and then Liverpool finished the season right. You just take the raw expected goal differential, and they were like a tenth of a goal worse than Arsenal for the whole season. Now, if you watch the games, you would never imagine that. Uh, but Liverpool getting McAllister, I think, is a bigger deal than maybe we're, we're realizing just because of his role. And he was Brighton's most important player last year by pretty much any metric you look at. So, you know, I, I think they've had a decent start to the summer w- window here. Uh, and, you know, we forget, like, Arsenal closed on the road at Liverpool as a pick'em. Uh, if they had played that game in May, I think Liverpool would have been a solid favorite at home. So yeah. I just don't really have a huge gap. Uh, I think Liverpool is the slightest of margins better. And I also think Newcastle's like not that far behind yeah. uh, in terms of their ability because of just how dominant they were. I mean, if you look at just the second half of the season, uh, which I know Arsenal started to fall off. So you're kind of catching Arsenal kind of at the bottom as they started to you know fall down the table a little you're bit. You're slicing the cake the way you want it. Right, but if you just take like a post World Cup world, yeah, I mean it's a big at, slice. That's the thing. Yeah, I, like I've season. done the same, but it's half. It's half the season. It's more than half, half the season. season. And Liverpool was plus point uh, seven three per ninety. Uh, Arsenal was plus point six five. Newcastle was the second best team. They were plus one per ninety. That uh, number is impressive, especially when you consider that it was when Isak was like really finally healthy. Yeah, uh, and really featured more than Wilson. Uh, not that Wilson didn't also score a bunch of goals, but uh, Isak's creativity and kind of his ability really shown. So I, I don't think there's a huge gap between the Liverpool, Newcastle, Arsenal contingent. Uh, and so you know maybe Newcastle at sixteen. So you more. like Newcastle? It sounds like for you know just if you're if we're picking a long shot, I mean yeah, they're plus sixteen hundred. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, they would be my pick just because I I don't really see a lot of holes. Uh, they probably need another like wide forward for me to really be like, okay, now they have the attacking depth and firepower. Yeah, Harvey, they're trying to get Harvey Barnes, maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this transitions right into Golden Boot, right? Which I think is like also part of the discussion with City maybe regressing is that Holland is basically his first ever season fit. And neither neither of us were high on Holland for the Golden Boot in this episode last season. And part of that was, well, he never stays fit. He's probably played 20 games, 25 games. And, you know, you know, 50 million goals later, here we are. And he's a he's a massive favorite for the Golden Boot. I'm still sort of interested in going somewhere else and basically betting on an injury. I mean, he's missed more matches every season of his career than last year. And, you know, his over-under is 29 and a half. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'll just bet on an injury, right? And I think that what you said earlier also about, you know, Liverpool's season after they played, you know, what did they play? 65, 70 games, going for the quadruple, etc. I feel like... I mean, I'm sure you used to play fantasy football, fantasy NFL. Maybe you still do. But like there was the old thing where if a running back got 300 carries, you're supposed to like avoid them. They're going to have they're going to fall off. I feel like there's something in that with soccer. It just hasn't been written about yet with like a number of minutes, number of matches, no time off, et cetera, where I expect some sort of regression. And I just. You know, unless they're just injecting him with something and whatever's going on at City, I don't know. But I just find it 
to be very, I would, I would find it to be very weird if he spent basically no time injured again this season. Yeah, I agree. And you kind of saw the effects of the long season, I thought, in the last month. He yeah. was not the same. Uh, the yeah, shot he wasn't. Shot for 90 was down. The goals kind of dr- dr- uh, dried up a little bit. And again, he, he still is, because of his style, as good as he is at generating shots and, and, and great shots, he still is a little bit of a product of a system because he's not creating for others. He's not ball progressing. He's just the best in the world at getting on the end of everything. And and finishing it. And so with that nature, uh, if City regresses around him, he will suffer more than I think other top strikers will. Now, Holland has cost me a lot of money uh, in the last year. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I would bet a lot of, uh, you know, say, well, you know, City's obviously the best team in the league, but are they this good? Are they this good? Uh, And they were. But uh, I think that, um, you know, in the golden boot market, the first name that came up was Isak for me at 35 to 1. Isak, uh, interesting. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can like stay healthy enough. Also, while Wilson is healthy, who also has his injury problems, yeah. I mean he's still sort of the main man and the guy on pen. So going into the season, I don't like it off the bat. But what do you like about Isak? I just like that you know he came into the league and was getting uh, you know ten goals and sixteen nineties. In a, yeah. in a team that I think has room for upward growth as an attack, and a team that I think, uh, you know, we talked about playing ahead and playing from ahead. Uh, we I think we tweeted about this a few times, like just yeah, how yeah. Good they were once they get in that game state. But yeah, ten goals and sixteen nineties, uh, decently backed up by the numbers. You know, point six yeah. goals per ninety, point five xG per ninety. Uh, it's not going to win you the golden boot, but like, could he take a step forward at age twenty two, going into his age twenty three season? Uh, I've seen, uh, you know, le- I've seen, you know less heralded players take leaps like that. Uh, when you just go down the board though, like Kane six to one Salah plus seven fifty, like not really good enough for me to go against, uh, to go against Holland. Uh, you know, I think Nunez will have that season, but if he's not on pens, cause Salah is yeah. like, I don't really want him like same thing with like son at 35 to one. And, uh, uh, I'm selling him. I'm, I'm selling Rashford. I know he just had a career year, but a lot of it was built on air. Uh, finishing air and, and kind of just like being the best finisher in the world for two months. Also, period. not on pens. Generally, yeah, right. So he won't be. He, he took some pens, right? It was uh, I mean, he took maybe two, three years ago. He took some pens, but I think Bruno is like for sure on pens again. Back right. to being the guy, and, and they probably should be. So you know, there's like trying to find uh, you know who's going to be on pens for the team. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Rashford didn't take a pen last year. That's interesting. Uh, so. Bruno only took two, but they only had three. So it's kind of wild. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, the, you know, just in general, like the market, like uh, if, if United goes and gets somebody like an Osaman, then I'm intrigued. I wonder what he would open. I don't think it's going to happen though. Uh, and Kunku 25 to one, no thanks. Uh, just kind of think the Bundesliga tax will hit him a little bit. I love Chris, but uh, he's not going to be uh, in an explosive enough team. So yeah, you look around the board like the Will the Wilson Isak thing. I wish only one of them played for Newcastle, and then I'd bet them. But I'm curious. I'm curious about Kane and Mo. Why you think those those numbers aren't good enough? Because basically, what I'm thinking is, if you're betting against Holland, you're betting on an injury. And I'm I'm not so. If you're betting on an injury, then I just want someone who's on pens. You know, ninety every game. And 20 plus goals. Like, who can get to 20 plus goals? Cause that's good enough to win a golden boot a lot. 
And both yeah. of them are, you know, as consistent as can be. And both of them have better numbers than last year, obviously, because of Holland. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, that's a good point. You, you could convince me into betting Harry Kane. Again, I, I just think that the thing, although there is the, you know, the ever looming January thing, which I don't think would happen, but, you know, could. Yeah, happen. could. Yeah. Um, Kane just like consistently healthy the last three, three years, really. Uh, you know, on the pens, you know, in a really bad Tottenham team, still got to 30 last year. Uh, we know he's going to finish over his XG. And so you, you not yeah. that I look at underlying number, like not that I say like, I'm going to ignore underlying numbers, but with Kane, like the, the track record is the track record now. Um, so yeah, you, I see your point on that. Uh, yeah. I don't usually bet the golden boot market because that's just yeah. like, me, okay. it's like, I'm tying up a lot of money in a market that I think is pretty volatile and uh, you know, Unless Holland gets hurt, he probably wins it. So if he does get hurt, yeah, Kane would be the name for me. I just think it's fun, you know. It's it's all about um, about the age profile with him. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a decline in the numbers. I know we this became like an ongoing bit between us last year because I said I'm not putting Salah in my FPL team, and I don't know uh, much about (laughs) FPL, but Salah ended up (laughs) 19 and 12, and like the first half of the season, he wasn't scoring any goals. He didn't do anything. I was taking my victory lap, but the, yeah. some of the dribbling numbers did go down, but then I was informed that FB ref changed how they calculate the dribbling numbers. And I was like, Oh, because um, oh, they switched opta. Yeah. Yeah. There was a clear decline in some of the numbers uh, across the board from O last year. Yeah. Uh, I just think like age, you know, in his age 30 year now going into 31 year, it's like, well, uh, have we seen the best of Mo already? I would say the answer is probably. Yeah. Yeah, the other the other like very long shots would for me would be Ollie Watkins. Again, it's like it's similar to your Jesus shout of last season where it's like we know he's an average finisher. I just need him to get lucky one season. And again, this all this all relies on Holland getting hurt. So there's not even a shout if he doesn't get hurt. And then um Julian Alvarez. I mean again, if Holland gets severely hurt and he just starts 25 games somehow or something like that sure he could win it and he's plus four thousand. so you know i don't know something there yeah i just don't really see the huge upside for watkins in that team yeah uh, okay. even last year you know he's like below uh he's 0.43 goals per 90 last year uh you look at like his track record i don't really ever see him going higher than that Whereas somebody like Isak, who is 35 to one, could take that kind of next leap forward. Yeah. And it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, has the shots, has the XG, right, like, has the explosiveness. Yeah, Isak was top 10 goals per 90 last year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. 22. I like it. So that, I just don't know what the Wilson situation is. They playing them together. That would yeah. The, the thing, like, I know because FPL, I got completely screwed by this, but. In the matches where they started together, Isak was kind of wide left, and yeah. Callum was down the middle, and his sense. XG and his shots fell off a cliff when he yeah. played there. Um, right. He was much more like creator, like bring the ball into the box kind of guy, like dribble the ball into the box kind of guy. And that's really the thing the with his skill score. set, too, which I think gets him on the field more, but may not get yeah. him goals all the time. It's just yeah. like his creativity with the ball at his feet is probably his best asset. Yeah, uh, like you look at just like his FB ref page, like progressive passes, progressive carries, take ons, progressive passes received. Yeah, monster. all of them are like his. You know, the the little bars are all you know green, and that's always been his strength. Um, whereas Wilson is more of a pre- pure poacher type, yeah. so you're not going to get the level of production uh, from the wide area. So you're going to play the two of them together. I mean, that's that's a fun group though. 
Yeah, I mean, Wilson might be the shout, right? You just need him to stay fit. If he can right, just play like... Do it. Yeah, until he does one time, right? Like that right. that's he what we're betting on. It's like a long shot. Years. Yeah, I mean we thirty one. Like I just I It's very unlikely. I, I'm not saying it's like a you know, a sure thing at all, but thirty five to one, I don't know, might be something. But anyway, let's let's go back to some team stuff. Let's go top four, which should be really, really competitive this year. I mean, all the European places are going to be really competitive. City, we don't have to talk about their minus 2,000, which I don't think I've ever seen for top four. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, it's Arsenal and Liverpool tied at minus 175. Man United next, minus 140. Newcastle, Chelsea a little bit outside that. And then, you know, some longer shot teams. Any Anything you see there? Yeah, give me team five and six. Uh, I think that uh, the market is kind of making there a bigger gap than there actually is between Newcastle, Chelsea, United, Arsenal, and Liverpool. Uh, and so, you know, at plus 130, you can find out there on Newcastle to make top four. That's probably the favorite bet that I, the, it's actually the only bet that I've made uh, yeah. in the Premier League season. Uh, it, it's just that, like the upward potential of a January is always there. Like right. how do they decide they want to spend their money, which we know they have right. money for days. Unlimited. Uh, the defense made real improvements and, and was sustainable. There was a period last year where I was betting against Newcastle, kind of like around the World Cup break, where I was saying like, well, you know, Wilson's kind of banged up and Isak yeah. hasn't really been bet in. And and so, you know, where are the rest of the goals coming from? Like, there's no way Almarone keeps this up. And yeah, yeah. Kind of like they were scoring early in every game and it was really helping their numbers because of how they were playing. But they would get stuck. They kept getting bogged down in these draws where it was like 0-0-1-1, forever, and they don't really play aggressively. Um, you know, with Isak Wilson, uh, Joe Linton getting, you know, adding some goals, like this yeah. team now all of a sudden, and Guimaraes, of course, has enough depth for me to believe. And it kind of comes down to me being just a general skeptic in Arsenal and United. Uh, right. Because United, at as currently constructed, was a really overrated team last year. Everybody kind of, Ate up the De Ha the the uh, Ten Hag Ten Hag, you know, magic of how he really changed the team. But you look at the underlying profile, and it's like not that impressive. Yeah, uh, they were uh, sixth in uh, attacking xG per ninety. They were seventh in defensive xG per ninety. Eleventh uh, in box entries allowed. They were sixth in box entries for. Yeah, and they were fourteenth in set piece offense and eighth in set piece defense. Expected threat seventh going forward, twelfth against. Like this was not a team that was tilting the field and like beating the shit out of everybody. Yeah, like Newcastle, yeah. Arsenal, and Liverpool were. Uh, so Rashford isn't probably going to cool off. And once he did in the second half, it was like Casemiro better score or like where are the goals coming. <laughs> And and like I like that about the Ten Hag system that he gets the midfielders forward and gets them involved and I think that's generally good. 
But like, who is the striker? And if, and if it's the Atalanta kid, like I'm just kind of skeptical of him making a jump to the Prem. I don't know that he's ready for that, especially, you know, the Prem in the top four level. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a seller. De Gea, as good, as much as everybody slat, slights him, uh, and, and like he definitely has problems in buildup, and that's why he's not going to be with the team anymore, and like, you know, whatever. But there is value in his shot stopping, which was really, really good. Uh, and they actually conceded more XG than Spurs last year. You would regard that's Spurs crazy. as terrible defense. That's insane. Yeah. United conceded more XG. So I, I just think that this this house of cards on United is a little bit fraudulent for them to be minus 140. I think they're the team that gets picked off. And I think if you look at Chelsea, I know. Yeah, because that's, that's, I was waiting for you to stop talking so I could say, okay, I understand where you're at on Newcastle. Talk to me about Chelsea because this number is interesting, but their whole everything about them is interesting because f- figuring out where to put the, put them must have been very difficult. How to project them must have been very difficult. How much do you put into last season? How much do you put into the season before that? What do you do with Poch? He hasn't been around in a while at a competitive club level team. And so where are you at on them at plus 150? I mean, is that fair? Like, should they be way above Spurs, way above Brighton in terms of their top four odds? I think you have to build in some type of regression for Brighton. Uh, And I know they lose McAllister, who, like I said earlier, was by the numbers their most impressive player. Um, in terms of like just value add and the markets felt that way too, but they, uh, will, you know, potentially lose a couple of key players here. Uh, and I know that they've done this before. And I said this last year and I was like, well, you know, Brighton had a great year. (laughs) They'll probably just be like an eighth, ninth, 10th team again. Uh, I don't really expect them to, to, you know, be in that elite tier. And they kind of just threw it in my face and got better with the Zerbi. But uh, Brighton, I'm kind of probably uh, going to lose Caicedo, Caicedo also. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I think you're at the kind of like the peak of the market on Brighton. Like four to one to get top four is just like crazy when you could have got four to one to get top six last year. Yeah. Um, so I think you're kind of at the peak of the market on Brighton, and I'm I'm not really interested in buying them at this number. But I mean, last year we would have had this conversation and we were like, well, you know, like are Arsenal and Tottenham better than Chelsea. United is clearly way worse than Chelsea. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And now it's like, well, I mean, you just flip United and Chelsea on the basis of one season. Uh, Chelsea did clear out some Deadwood. Um, the, the, the Saudi situation has really helped them yeah. because they're buying all of their older, not good anymore, not healthy enough players. Um, I think that's notable. I think like, there is a super weird Man United vibe with this team from the year before. Because remember what happened? They had kind of like the legacy manager who had been there, who had kind of run its course. Not that Tuchel was there that long, but he was there. They toss him and they bring in this new manager. And in the case of Chelsea, it was Potter. In the case of United, it was... Um, Ragnick, right? And for like a month, it legitimately worked. Like United was playing really well heading into that Champions League. And then Potter's Chelsea were actually making real improvements and playing as like a plus 4.4 per 90 team. So like a borderline top four team. 
for like a two month period, but nobody could score. Like the finishing just yeah. went God cold. Havertz was horrible. Mount, like nobody could score. And that has a psychological effect to the point where once they were bounced from the Champions League and then Potter got the sack and they bring in the clown Lampard, it's like, well, the players stopped getting. I thought that was very evident, but like Chelsea just gave up. <laughs> when they did the Brentford game at home, when they had like four shots, I was like, this team doesn't give a shit. Um, and, and even against like, they, I think they beat Bournemouth, but it was ugly. And I'm like, well, this team, like they don't care. Uh, and that's the same thing that happened with United. Remember, it was like, well, yeah. United showed under Ragnick this brief period of They company. can't play. They yeah. can do this. And then they lost that Champions League tie, and Ragnick was a lame duck, and they knew he wasn't coming back, and they kind of just quit and mailed it in. I think it's the same thing. The Chelsea talent level, with Nkunku in the mix now, with Lukaku back, which I know everybody hates him, but like he was fine in Serie A. I also... I also- don't think he'll stay, but that's you know besides right. the point. Yeah, he, you know, I he's in the plans for now, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how well he fits the Pochettino system because he doesn't really press or do any defensive work. But uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. But and they have a real manager, and like I'm partial to Poch as a Spurs fan. He's your guy. Have yeah. like, seen what he can do. I think PSG was a horrible fit. That's like a Mickey Mouse club that like doesn't really have any culture or plan. Just like star building and let them do whatever they want. They're kind of like the LA Clippers of. Of, of basketball, <laughs> if you're an NBA fan, but like, what? How are we not buying Chelsea at the floor here of the market? Now, I thought the market would be a little lower. Like, I was like, if I get like 25, 30 to one, I'm going to buy Chelsea to win the league. <laughs> and it was 16. I was like, ah, it's not good enough. But in terms of getting top four, uh, if you think Liverpool, Arsenal, and United uh, have flaws, which I think all of them have different sure. kind of flaws, uh, then Chelsea is. Certainly a good buy team, and um, like I like Enzo. I think their their defense will take a step forward uh, just because of Poach, and uh, a little bit of belief can go a long way. Some of the numbers on their running was was kind of wild; like they weren't running nearly as much as yeah. other teams in the league. That's not going to fly under Mauricio. So uh, I I still believe in Poach. I still believe in this this collection of talent. Like I'm not a Mudrick guy. I thought he was an overpay, uh, but they still have enough at that club to to be interesting yeah okay yeah it's a good pitch good pitch um any other outside teams you like not for top four necessarily but like i'm looking at top six top 10 i feel like i feel like villa's being a little disrespected i saw their minus 200 in the top 10 i'm like really to me they're just like easily a top 10 team but you know i could be could be very wrong there and and then let's let's go to relegation also i'm curious where you're at Man, uh, it's funny because I feel like last year the Premier League was much more easily defined into like tiers. Yeah. Uh, this year, because all three teams from last year stayed up, this relegation race, man, it's yeah. going to be wild. Uh, yeah. It's going to be really crazy. The three who came up are always threats. So, like Burnley, Luton, Sheffield. I don't think anybody expects Luton to stay up. I don't expect that either, but like crazy shit has happened. Huddersfield town. They're probably the worst team since the town and they stayed up in the yeah. first year. It was a miracle. It was not really based on any Before getting it was pure vibes. And then what they get like 20 points the next year or exactly. something like that. They yeah. do it for one year. Uh, maybe I will definitely have them as my worst team projected once I get to the numbers and I will definitely have Sheffield 19th. The question is, uh, you know, what do you make of Forrest? Because if you look at just like who they bought, and how that came together, Forrest, on paper, does not have 
one of the they're not one of the three worst teams, but uh, Cooper was there all year and they played like one of the three worst teams over the course of the season. Now their results were a little bit uh, uneven because they had a bunch of games where they got the shit beat out of them. Yeah. And then they had a bunch of like good performances. And so like the aggregates weren't all that good, uh, like away from home last year, they had one win and they scored uh, 11 goals in 19 games. <laughs> uh, but at home, uh, you know, you put together a season with, a positive goal differential, uh, albeit a negative expected goal differential, and you can kind of make a survival method out of it. But I don't know that Forrest has improved the defense at all. Yeah, uh, and I haven't so seen far any, they haven't. Yeah, right. And so I think that was their thing. Like they went out and bought a lot of these like players that could maybe make their offense better, but they didn't really address the defense. Um, Taiwo had a nice finish to the season. Uh, you know, Forrest for me, I think is is the next team that I would take. What about uh, Bournemouth? They're another interesting case. Now, Bournemouth... Because I love is, Bournemouth, but I know the numbers are the numbers. They just were horrendous. But the, shape of the, the shape of the season yeah. has to have you encouraged for Bournemouth. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. As bad as they were in the first half, for sure. and then as competent as the attack was in the second half, makes me think that like they could actually be uh, a team that pushes into like 15th. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. If you look at, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical on how predictive this is, but just like looking at the second half only, how did a team do? Uh, Bournemouth was uh, minus 0. 0.6 per 90, uh, which was uh, the sixth worst. Um, Wolves was the worst team in the league in the second half. Uh, they are another team. So it's really Wolves and Forest for me, where I'm just like, we sure they shouldn't be, uh, you know, bet to be relegated here. I because know. I believe in company and Burnley. Uh, I think that the way he's got them playing uh, in a different, you know, the way that they bossed the championship last year, uh, it's kind of similar to, it's not the same level as, uh, as Fulham from two years ago, because the, the underlying numbers aren't that impressive. But when you put up 101 points in uh, the championship, uh, you're going to turn some heads and you're going to make me believe that like, okay, I need to do something with your power rating, especially with how they did play. Like the XG uh, wasn't all that impressive, but they played from the front so much that I, I think that there's a, a natural kind of deflator game state type thing on their yeah. numbers. I think Burnley unders will be a good bet early in the season for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think Burnley's better than uh, Nottingham Forest. I think they may be better than Wolves. So I'm going to say that Wolves, Burn yeah, Wolves are Wolves are definitely a good shout. I mean, I've been betting them to be relegated, and obviously they're still in the league, so yeah. you know, not good for me. But they come in, they they've just gotten rid of a bunch of starters, also, and they haven't bought anyone. Um, exactly. And so I don't know what their financial situation is. I think there's a little like FFP maybe going on there, but. You know, they get rid of Neves, they get rid of Collins, they get rid of Cody, they release Moutinho, they, you know, loan out whatever, some other guys. They just, like, don't have a team right now. They still don't really have a goal scorer. Don't know, you know, they have one one center back. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think I'm with you there. There's no one else that seems like a great bet to me, I don't think. Um. Yeah, I mean, where are you at on... I don't think they'll be relegated, but where are you at on Brentford? How do you go about grading a team that... You know, in baseball, it's 
there's war, there's wins above replacement. You can say, okay, their best player's out. He's worth this many wins, roughly. I can make a sort of guess. How many points is Tony worth to Brentford? Who's going to be missing the first like six months of the season or something like that. And he's just obviously their best player and their focal point. Yeah, so he's missing half the year, right? So he'll be back yeah. for the second half. So he's yeah. he's out in January. Yeah, January. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's about ten goals because uh, I would project him for about fifteen to twenty goals in a season. So we'll we'll, we'll roughly shave off half the season production. Yeah. Um, you know, ten goals is going to be in the course of a season about twenty twenty five percent of what Brentford does in a year uh, on average. Like they're probably going to score about sixty goals. That's that's generous. Um, so you know, you're looking at like 20% of their offensive production. Now it's not like a one for one, uh, but like, who's the backup? Whistle. Uh, right. And that's the thing. I am enough a believer in Embuemo and Visa for me to say that they can kind of fade yes. this enough. I love this. Uh, yeah. And like his numbers were, were fine. And like the thing was about Tony and Brentford was that Tony missed time last year. He like, he didn't play every game. And, um, when he was out there, uh, you know, 0. 0.4 uh, non-penalty goals is the per 90, and uh, 0.31 non-penalty XG. It's not, it's not Ivan uh, Tony numbers, but you know, is it worth like a, a five to ten percent deduction on their attacking quality? How much is that worth over the course of the season? Like seven or eight points, probably. Right. So, uh, yeah, like I, I think that um, you're going to hear us talk a lot this season about Brentford and kind of like how do they keep doing this. I still don't understand how the market was that high on them last year. Like, never caught up to them. Because the first year, it made sense. It's like, well, the sample's small. We know that, like, they're a small club and they haven't really yeah. had So, like, we're going to regress them back to, like, they should be, like, the 16th best team in the league, 17th. And I said this year, last year on this pod, I said, yes. I wanted to bet against Brentford, but, like, the market thinks they suck. And I don't think they suck. I think yeah, just- I remember this vividly. <laughs> they were, like, their point total was, like, in the 30s. It was. 39 and a half. Yeah. And uh, like, heading up at the over. Yeah, um, ridiculous. And, and so we don't have point totals yet, but you can kind of just pull it up based on uh, top 10 odds. Uh, the market has them as the 10th best team in the Premier League. Excuse me, 11th best team in the Premier League. Yeah. So they have a pretty solid top eight with City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle, Tottenham, Brighton, Villa, West Ham. And then Brentford is the next of the rest. So they think they're about the 11th best team. Now, I have them at about 12. Uh, and that's without, uh, or that's with kind of like a manual adjustment. Like I haven't finalized any of this. That's yeah, yeah. manual adjustment on kind of like what I think Brentford is now. And a lot of it is because just like there's six teams that are automatically below them. Right. Yeah. The Fulham, like Fulham, Wolves, Everton, Forest, Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield, Luton. Uh, that's actually seven teams where I'm just like, there's no way I could have them worse than Brentford, better than Brentford. So I think Brentford's like the super boring team this year. I like the top 10 odds though, when you say that, right? They're plus 250. And then yep. next team, the next team above them is West Ham at minus 125. No, thank you. They're in Europe. Give me a break. That's a huge gap and not yeah, really West deserved. In Europe, they had the second oldest team. They lost their most important Moise is still player. there. I look, I think they have a high floor, but like, what are they spending the money on too? Like they yeah. need goals and yeah. they can't rely on Antonio again. Skamaka, I'm really not sold on. Yeah, me neither. So like Ings. Yeah. 
Like, no thanks. So like they need goals and how they reinvest this money from Rice is really important because they are, like I said, the second oldest team. And there are some, uh, it's pretty, if you just faded the top uh, three oldest teams every year and bet on the three younger teams generally uh, from the season before, you would have done uh, decently well. Uh, The youngest three teams in the league last year, Arsenal, Brentford, Leeds. Now Leeds obviously got relegated, but I think that was kind of... (laughs) That was kind of an extenuating circumstance. Uh, the year before, uh, the, the oldest teams, uh, Watford and Burnley, both went down. Uh, that th- was uh, notable. Uh, and then, but they had already gotten they had already gotten relegated. They were the oldest. Yeah, team. Yeah. The next oldest teams. I'm just sorting by like FB ref age. Look at that. West Ham. How did they do last year? They were unlucky, but they underperformed relative to expectations. Second oldest team after that, your Reds. So I think there's something to it. We're like, I don't want to back these really old teams. And you saw this in Spain and we did our Spain pod. And I said, look, like Sevilla was one of the oldest teams in Europe and they finished in the bottom half of the league. Uh, The cliff comes faster than you realize for these teams. And when we just say, like, I know it's only a three month gap, but it's also a one year gap from the start of last season. And so you have to factor in that like players don't just stay static. Like Liverpool has done a really nice job, I think, of turning over the team, getting to the next generation. Arsenal... I mean, they were really shit for like three years, relatively, because they made this huge investment in youth, and eventually they bet that it would pop, and it popped last year. Now, can they take the next step? I don't know. Uh, But the one thing you could say for Arsenal, they were old in one area. It was central midfield. It was Jaka and Partey with no depth, and like now, they go get Rice. Genio, too, yeah. They go get Rice, and it's like, whoa, maybe this is going to work. It could work. But again, uh, Benford top 10. That's You're my in? favorite bet of the podcast, I think. I think it's perfect. I'll tell a quick they're story. young, they're smart. You know, they're going to make some good purchases. You know, I like Nathan Collins. Flecken is supposed to be really good. You know, they're going to sell riots somehow, some way. Um, yeah. Wiss is good. Yeah. There's not a lot of competition there. Yeah, there's not. I agree with you that you can just rule out seven teams. So I feel like I'm getting good value. It's basically I'm. It's it's basically Brentford versus West Ham and Palace, and like a little three team tournament to like can any of these teams finish tenth? And like, yeah, I like my odds. It was funny. We had our we had like an award show. It was like mostly a joke, but it was fun uh, for our company, the Action Network, on Tuesday night. And the win of the season was our Wonder Goal parlay, which was Brentford, Gladbach, and Nottingham Forest the week before the World Cup, two hundred to one. And uh, the winning, and I and I got the mic, and I said, you know, most of the company doesn't really know soccer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got the mic, and I said, the beauty of this parlay winning is that the guy who scored the winning goal in the biggest leg was Ivan Tony in stoppage time, who is now suspended. <laughs> two hundred violations of the yeah. FA gambling policy. Yeah, <laughs> he's in like rehab to like help yeah. his gambling addiction. Yeah. Um, so and then that got a good laugh at everybody. That's awesome, amazing. Was. So good, good, good way to end it, um, Anthony. I know you're doing more stuff than just Wonder Goal, which will be back in you know a few weeks. What else are you doing? Where can people read your work, hear your work, all that stuff? Yeah, we're in the thick of baseball season, so grinding away baseball. Sorry about your Mets. <laughs> uh, my, my fills are doing a little better, but uh, yeah, you can find me in the Action Network app on the website. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Dabundo, D-A-B-B-U-N-D-O. 
Uh, we're going to be doing some Women's World Cup. It's really hard to project because there's not a lot of data out there. But uh, we're going to do some of that and you know, try to have some fun you know, bets to, to sweat through for the next month until we get yeah. into the prem. And then, yeah, like I said, August, pretty much right around August 1st, we'll probably be doing uh, our full previews. We'll have Alon on to do the draft again. We had fun with that last year. <laughs> and then we'll do, we, we cover all five leagues, not as much as the prem, but we'll also do a pod focusing on the other four big leagues, uh, some fun striker movement. I'm excited to see like the Balogun situation, the Opeka yeah. situation, the Oshaman situation, like, the whole one too like there's all yeah. kinds of uh striker news to be sorted out through the next yeah, month yeah. me everything all right man thanks for coming on thank you peace sports social podcast network